I'm Elisa Gums, the Executive Managing Editor of Black Enterprise, and welcome to Elevate Black Inc. Empowered by Fifth Third Bank. In this podcast series, we help you find new ways to grow your business through our interviews with innovative entrepreneurs and business leaders. In each episode, they share their unique journeys and offer their strategies on how you can pivot, perform, and profit in any environment. This week, we talk with Alan Woods, the co-founder and executive director of Mortar, which provides diverse and historically underserved entrepreneurs with access to the resources they need to be successful in business. In my conversation today, I discuss with him how he and his co-founders built Cincinnati's Entrepreneurship Hub, the lessons they're imparting to the next generation of minority small business owners, and the power of entrepreneurship to build communities and transform cities. And we'll also sit down with Mortar's president of the board, Kala Gibson, to talk about his part in making sure our communities aren't locked out of opportunities. Now, please join me for Elevate Black Inc. Alan, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. From reading your bio, um, I would say that you once were that person, that non-traditional entrepreneur that Mortar serves, selling candy as a kid or selling homemade mixtapes on the side at your main job. Um, Is that what drew you to this work and to co-founding Mortar? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about my journey and what it's looked like to be an entrepreneur, it has been a lifelong journey. I was the kid with a camera at 12 Uh, who just went around taking pictures on film uh, because it was something I was passionate about. And one of the things that I recognized as I continue to grow through my journey is that I hit a lot of potholes in the road. You know, I hit a lot of obstacles and barriers and dead ends. uh, And a lot of that was because I didn't have that guidance to kind of move me forward. And when I think about what we do at Mortar, It is creating that guidance for the next generation of entrepreneurs through that experience, you know, being able to say in advance, you know, this is what you need to look out for because I've been there before, or this is what my experience or expertise has been. Uh, And that's a that's a huge part of the work that we do. And I think that that's really important as we're looking at how do we build a legacy of, of new entrepreneurs it's making sure that we're looking back, you know, and I think culturally, that's just a part of who we are as a people is that, you know, we, we move forward, but we're looking backwards to make sure that the generation that follows behind us has that guidance. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, it's literally like, you know, in some of the apps, like when you're driving for GPS, it will give you the indication of kind of what to look out for in, in the future. Um, So you have someone who's already driven the road ahead of you who said, "Okay, there's a police speed trap here or there's a pothole or there's a stall stall car. Uh, And and knowing that thing because someone has gone on that journey before you gives you the insights that you need to act appropriately. And you know that, all right, well, maybe I need to exit here and make this decision instead. And so through Mortar, that's what we're able to guide our entrepreneurs through that process Uh, Because we've been there, we've done those things, but in the same time, we are also learning from them as they navigate the journey. So I know you were an experienced entrepreneur already, but what was the actual process like for you of getting this organization off the ground? 
It was interesting. I've never done nonprofit work at all. Um, I've always been in the for-profit world. As I said, I started as a photographer. So I grew a photography company into a graphic design company that then led me to doing some film work. Um, and so it was really different to step from those creative things into a world of nonprofits. So to start, there was a lot of research involved. There was also the fact that I had the benefit of having two co-founders with me. So I had, you know, one co-founder who had extensive experience in politics and another one that had an extensive uh, experience in nonprofit work and like fundraising and development. So being able to have them to kind of lean on because they had already worked in the nonprofit world allowed me to stay in my lane. You know, so when we started, I was the creative director. I was the person who really came up with, you know, the brand. What is Mortar? What do we do? What do we look like? What do we feel like? What is the tone? Uh, so it really allowed me to stay in my lane as a creative. And as we've grown, because I learned from them and because I've had great mentors and coaches, it has allowed me to step into the position of being the executive director. And so, you know, I think there's always that journey of learning. You know, so whether you're starting a nonprofit or a for-profit, it's finding the people who can help you through that process, but then also looking for it to be a symbiotic relationship where they're benefiting as well. So like, as I'm learning from you, are there things that I can share um, as well so that we're both benefiting from this process? And, and that's been a pivotal part of growing Mortar into the organization it's become. When we first started, we, we said, we're gonna do this one program in one neighborhood in Cincinnati that we're seeing having these challenges. And uh, ultimately we've grown from, you know, that one community to now being in seven cities, you know, and that, that's something that was completely unexpected. I'm so glad you mentioned being a creative entrepreneur because one of the things that um, I often hear from entrepreneurs especially those who, um, you know, are skilled in something, whether it's doctors or lawyers, or in your case, graphic designers, is that their education taught them how to be really good at that thing, but nothing taught them how to run a business in that thing or open their own practice. And so what was the learning like for you? Was it all trial and error of how to be a creative entrepreneur? I think that is, that is a really important uh, distinction. One of the things that I learned as a creative is that sometimes you have the um, ability, but sometimes you don't know what to do with that or how to monetize it. Um, and what I recognize is that I believe everybody on this planet has a gift, talent, or ability that is uniquely theirs. And sometimes it's just trying to figure out those next steps. How do I turn this thing that I, that comes really easily for me into something that can be monetized and that benefits the community around me. Um, and then also creating the distinction and understanding that everything doesn't need to be a business. There are some things that you're really good at that can be an excellent hobby. You know, and maybe it's a side hustle where you make a couple hundred dollars a month and you keep it moving. But then for some people, it's something that they can take and actually build a career and a legacy from that thing. And being able to know the difference between the two is, is valuable. So your main program um, is the Mortar Entrepreneurship Academy, which is a 15-week course for those starting or growing a business. What kind of lessons do you cover? 
We talk about everything. Um, so one of the challenges that we discovered when we started in 2014 is that uh, we were looking for a curriculum that we could utilize that really spoke to the Black experience in building a business. There are a lot of different you know, programs that kind of navigate what it is to build a business as a small business, but there weren't a lot of them that had the cultural competency as a component of the program. So eventually, as we were navigating the, that scenario, one of the things that I noticed was that there were things that weren't covered in the other guides and the other curriculum that we were testing. And so we ended up having to create our own. And so because we created it from scratch, it gave us the ability to talk about everything. So one of the things that you'll find in our curriculum is specifically around personal finance. And typically when you're in a business course of any type, they don't talk about your personal finances, but in the Black community, what we understand is that money is still a taboo topic. You know, to this day, I don't know how much money my parents make. I have absolutely no idea, no clue whatsoever. When I went to college, I had to fill out my forms for, you know, FAFSA. My mom took the forms from me, put her information on them, and she mailed them in herself. So, like, it's, it's the secret. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and so when we talk about, like, what have you learned about money, it's really important to understand that principle before you can start to talk about building a business to create you know, wealth for your family, we have to know what have you learned about money leading up to this point? And what we've learned is like with our participants, you have some people who have parents that only told them that as soon as you get money, you need to spend it because you don't know when more money's coming. And then you have other people who come through the program who have families that say, you know, as soon as you get money, you need to save as much as possible so it can last as long as possible, spend as little as you can. And then how that carries over into the business is sometimes when it's time to invest in the business, they're not making the investments that help move them forward. So we talk about that. We talk about building your brand. We talk about social media. We talk about access to capital. We talk about the difference between costs and your actual pricing and how are you determining your price and how are you looking at competitors and what they're doing, but not getting distracted by the competitors, but knowing what's out there because we know that every consumer is making choices and decisions with their dollars and how you can motivate those customers to come to you instead of going to your competition. Uh, we're, we're talking about legacy. We talk about the systems that were in place in this country that have often created additional barriers for entrepreneurs of color. You know, when you think about the whole premise of bootstrapping and we're talking to entrepreneurs that a couple generations ago, it was literally illegal for our grandparents or great grandparents to purchase real estate. And when we think of people who take out second mortgages on their homes to fund a business, that is not something that we've been able to do for a long time. And so we're, we're kind of behind in that way. And when we look at the racial wealth gap and we talk about how long it would take for Black people to get to the same point as our white counterpoints in building wealth and why that gap exists and how communities have been decimated, whether it's through you know, running highways through them or through redlining, there's a lot of systemic challenges that another curriculum would not necessarily add into that equation of why it's been challenging for us to build businesses and build wealth. But the next step for us is not just to talk about the systems uh, and the challenges. It's how do we navigate through this world that we didn't create 
so that we can still be successful in this world, so that we can still create wealth for our families, so that we can know how to spend that money, so that we can understand what it looks like to create a 401k or get an IRA as an entrepreneur who most of us don't understand. Like, what, what you know, when you're working a job, it's something you can select on a form, you know, to get a 401k. But if you're an entrepreneur, you have to figure out if I need to establish an IRA, what's the difference between that and a Roth IRA and all of these other things to start thinking about um, when we're talking about monetization, growing our business and revenue streams. So we're, we're trying to cover everything in 15 weeks, but we know that that's impossible. So we also have an additional 18 months of alumni service um, that we offer that additional guidance and guardrails for our alumni participants because eight out of every 10 Black-owned businesses fails kind of within that first 18 months. So for us, we're really trying to get them over that two-year threshold where they're going through the academy for 15 weeks, an additional 18 months of the alumni program, and then we offer additional guidance after that if they want to buy into that as well. So that's really important for us. So yeah, I was just going to ask you about that because you continue to assist them after they graduate the pro from the program, um, which, you know, every entrepreneur knows that what you need to start a business is different than what you need to run a business successfully. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you support them for another 18 months in the alumni program. What kind of specific services do you offer them at that stage? For us, it's really doing an assessment or an audit of what they have and what they need. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned, every uh, entrepreneur has different needs, different things that they value, different requirements for them to move forward. For some of them, it might be that they need assistance finding a brick and mortar space. Um, and for a lot of our entrepreneurs who've been operating under the table for a while and now they're starting to think about, OK, what would it look like for me to take this business legit where I'm paying taxes, where I'm able to market to my community and really bring in more revenue? Some of them, it's having the conversation of how do I get that physical space? So we actually created a program that allows us to sign a lease for a pop-up shop, which we can license out to other participants to test their ideas in that space. Um, and they can do that for a weekend, a week, a month. Um, we have one that's a long-term lease that, you know, they've done a whole year. And what that does is it helps us to build on our experience and our expertise and our relationship to talk to landlords so that they would trust us and then we can bring in someone else to that environment. Uh, and then, you know, at this point, we have actually successfully signed over three leases after that term because they built that rapport with the landlord. The landlord now knows that they are able to pay and they are going to pay and they're great tenants. And so for us, that's a win to be able to create that access. We also have a relationship with the University of Cincinnati where we're able to perform, you know, pro bono legal services. We also have the same thing that we built that rapport with PNG, which is, you know, headquartered here in Cincinnati, where their attorneys are able to do some trademark law and things like that that are difficult to get access to. Um, accounting, bookkeeping, uh, even if it's graphic design or video. These are things that we want to make sure that we're able to offer to our participants because it's valuable and we understand that these are the tools that they need to move forward faster. The program is intentionally built in such a way that the entrepreneurs can serve as a support system for each other. Why was it important for you to structure it that way? For us, one of our core values is community. And when we first started thinking about, you know, creating that strategic plan, when we thought about community, 
initially it was surrounding going into communities and being valuable assets to the people in those communities. But one of the things that we discovered quickly is that we were creating a different version of community where we were bringing entrepreneurs together who had never met each other, even though they live in the same cities. And they were starting to build their own community within the parameters of our alumni group. Uh, and so when you think about the, that network and the ability to come together and a lot of times lead to collaboration. So we have, you know, people who are caterers who don't specialize in desserts, who are now able to partner with someone who has a bakery uh, and then they'll do events together. And then they have a photographer that they will look also through our alumni group who comes to take pictures uh, at their events. And we have someone who has an event place. And so it really, in, in developing this network of entrepreneurs, we're able to really look at what does cooperative economics look like and how can we be more collaborative? And also when we think about some of the myths, lies and rumors that surround black businesses and that, you know, black people in general, like we can't work together and, you know, there's, there's no community there. We are dispelling the myth and we're 100% investing in uh, creating this fact-based truth that Black people work together all the time and we're able to succeed together and we can get further faster if we are more cooperative um, in the way that we, we're doing our businesses. So it has been a super help for people to come together and understand that, for one, they're not alone. Entrepreneurship can be very isolating. It can be very lonely. And when you understand that there are other people in your community who are experiencing the same things that you are, it kind of gives you that confirmation that, you know, I'm not crazy. And this is something that's actually happening and something that, you know, I'm experiencing. And this experience is valid. Um, and, you know, having the other entrepreneurs who are going through that and they're in different phases. So 50% of the people who come to us start with just an idea. The other 50% that come to us have already had the business running. They're trying to figure out how to scale. And then you're creating this symbiotic relationship where they're like helping each other. You know, the, the newer entrepreneurs are often giving a lot of that energy and reinvigorating the older entrepreneurs who've been doing this for a while and maybe have started to, to find this plateau and they get them excited again about their businesses. And the ones who've been in business for longer are creating this element of wisdom and guidance. And, you know, they're kind of imparting that to the newer entrepreneurs. And so it, it's been something where they have taken this thing even further than we ever imagined because they really start to buy into the potential relationships and collaborations that can come from having a great network. One of the recurring themes of what we've been talking about today has been access, access, access. But the other major thing that um, we traditionally as entrepreneurs of color are missing is funding. And you touched a bit on some financial education, on access to capital, um, I would imagine that this is an area where, you know, relationships with banks and other financial institutions, such as Fifth Third, can be an invaluable resource to mortar. Absolutely. One of the things that we, we really tried to think about when we created Mortar is like, what are the barriers to entry for our entrepreneurs? And so we, we reverse engineered all of those things. So with our academy, we're kind of filling those gaps of know-how and how to move forward with the alumni. We're filling that network piece with the pop-up shops. We're giving them the access to physical spaces. But when we think about the access to capital, that is always one of the challenges as well. And so, as you mentioned, it's, it's one of those things people are still trying to figure out. 
And some people are in a position where they can go to a traditional model of going to a bank, their credit is in a place where they can get a traditional business loan and they can move forward. And so, you know, it's great to have institutions like Fifth Third be one of our partners because they understand those unique challenges of our entrepreneurs. And they're always working to not only tell them, you know, yes, if it's possible, but they're also giving them guidance. If now is not a time where they can move forward with a loan, they are also helping to get them the information that they need. So we'll get a lot of people who will come to us because they've gone to a traditional financial institution and gotten a no or gotten a not now. And then they'll come to us to learn how they can grow their business and get to the point where they can turn that, you know, that maybe into a yes. Um, and that's really important to us, you know, but at the same time, we're also thinking of, are there alternate means of funding? You know, like we have created our own fund internally called the Iron Chest Fund, which really leans into providing more grants, providing more loans that are low interest, and also uh, even having, we have an equity investment in one of our entrepreneurs who wanted to start the first Black-owned brewery in Cincinnati. Um, and so for us, being able to access capital so that we can give people access to capital is truly important and helps people to kind of get over one of those significant hurdles. This is a perfect time for us to bring in your president of the board, Fifth Thirds, Kala Gibson. Kala, thank you so much for joining us today. Alyssa, thank you for having me. Um, really excited to talk about uh, what we're doing in Mortar. Seems like you've been having a great conversation uh, with our executive director and Alan Woods, but I'm sure I'll be able to hopefully bring it home. <laughs> so what attracted you to become involved with Mortar? Yeah, so first, first let me start with, with my role because it'll give you some context. So I run uh, business banking, small business lending for Fifth Third Bank. Um, we're responsible for you know all of the lending that goes to small businesses across our 12 to 13 state footprint. Um, I give that description because uh, one, um, I typically don't have a lot of time to sit on a board uh, for the most part. Uh, and so the idea here was that it's rare that, actually, that you would actually go out and beg and plead, which is what I did uh, to Alan and the other founders to please let me be on their board. <laughs> and the reason I did that was one, it's, it's funny, they, they were the, the upstarts here in Cincinnati, right? It was, it was the do different. Like, how do we actually change outcomes? Because there's been organizations like Mortar that have existed for 20, 30 years, but we still weren't, you know, we wasn't seeing the outcomes and what we wanted to see in our communities. But they were doing something different. And Alan talked a little bit about that. And, and one was creating a curriculum that people could actually understand and actually put into action, right? When you think about entrepreneurs, a lot of times these are small business owners who maybe worked in corporate America. Maybe they have some, some friends and family money on the side. Uh, maybe they have some technical assistance because they have some friends or attorneys um, or accountants that's giving them free advice. Our entrepreneurs don't have that. They are literally starting from scratch. They're starting with a dream. They need encouragement and Mortar has been able to do that. And again, they're doing it with the curriculum. Alan mentioned the Iron Chess. Uh, that, that's a big do different because there's not a lot of organizations like Mortar that can provide the curriculum, the technical assistance. Oh yeah, and by the way, we can provide you capital as well. So, so that's what attracted me to the organization. Um, it's been three years. 
uh, being a part of this journey and, and really uh, looking forward to, to the next three years with, uh, with this organization. What kind of impact do you hope to have on the organization as the president of the board? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And that's almost probably even a better question for Alan. <laughs> Made the appropriate impact. But, but, but I think the big thing that I bring is just that, that kind of business savvy and the fact that, you know, in my space, you know, I'm very connected to, to entrepreneurs and small businesses. You know, what, one of the dreams of the organization, and they're starting to do that now, is expand outside of Cincinnati. And, and, and what I've tried to do is, is help with that. And the first thing that, that we uh, tried to really focus on, and Alan knows this as well, is the curriculum, right? How do we make sure that this is our curriculum? We can't sell somebody else's uh, product, right? We only can sell our product. So that, that was the first step. And then it's around helping to build the infrastructure so that the organization has the ability uh, to scale, right? Um, right now, uh, I mean, I think that we're, we're tapped out <laughs> as it relates to Cincinnati. I mean, we're in every neighborhood here in Cincinnati doing great work. And now we want to take that great work outside of Cincinnati and help some great cities like Indianapolis, Akron, uh, my hometown of Detroit. Um, so again, just this excited about the future for the organization. As you mentioned, you're the head of business banking at Fifth Third. You're also the chief enterprise corporate responsibility officer. How important is it for corporate America to invest in the development of small businesses in their local communities? It's, it's critical. We've heard we've heard the term the backbone of our economy. We've heard you know the stats as it relates to hiring. Two thirds of new jobs are created by small businesses and entrepreneurs. But the one thing that's sometimes glossed over, which is that the number one way to create wealth is to own a business, right? And when we think about the ability to close the wealth gap that exists between African-Americans and white Americans, I believe that this is, this is the number one strategy, right? The second thing is that when you look at our communities, small businesses actually support other businesses, and Alan talked about this, other businesses in the community. They also support activities. So when you go into a community, typically you'll see that the baseball team, the basketball team, the football team are supported by small businesses. So it's critical that they play an important part in just our overall community building. And, and I'll leave one more thing on this, and I think this is really critical, and this is where Mortar plays an important part, and it's back to this urban entrepreneurship. We continue to see gentrification occur across our nation, right? And it's extremely difficult to slow that, that bus down, right? But what we can do is make sure that we're holding these communities accountable to make sure that the people that live in that community have the opportunity not just to go to the restaurant, right? No, they can own the restaurant, right? They can own the property that's in that community. So we need to support more Black developers so that we're at the table when money is being funded to everyone else, right? So the work that Mortar is doing and the work that Fifth Third is doing is trying to bring all that together to make sure that we have the right seat at the table. So Alan, I wanna bring you back into the conversation. Um, this question is really for both of you. We've talked a lot about today about the ongoing support that you guys provide even to your alumni and about how that works as like really a whole ecosystem to build up communities. So what are you both hoping for um, and expecting from your alumni? 
I, I expect for our alumni to continue to surpass um, all of the expectations that uh, communities have for them. Uh, our entrepreneurs are, you know, we have 71% of our businesses that have come through the program are still in business. Um, and when you think of like national averages being closer to 10% of businesses that have made it this long, we have a formula that's working and it, it's doing what it was designed to do. Also, when I think about, you know, coming from this environment of the pandemic into where we are today, 100% uh, of the businesses that came through Mortar that were in business when the pandemic started are still open today. That makes a difference, you know, and I, and I don't mean like they closed the doors and then they reopened, they were still open the entire time. What we had to figure out on our team was how do we support them in a new way because Think that the circumstances changed. When the first estimates came out that Black businesses, 440,000 Black businesses were going to close during the pandemic, we took that seriously because we wanted to make sure that we were not going to be those businesses that closed. So we had to step up into a whole different world of, you know, understanding what the needs were and, you know, providing those things. So for a lot of businesses, for example, that we're used to doing storefronts that just had walk-in business, had to learn, how do I do curbside? You know, how do I uh, step up my e-commerce so that I can provide the same level of service to the people who want to spend money with me? How do I learn how to ship my products when I'm not used to doing that? Um, and how do I get access to conversations about PPP loans and all of these other grant offerings that were happening? And having somebody like Kala you know, that relationship with Fifth Third where he knows what they're looking for. He knows what the timelines were going to be. And basically having that type of relationship where I can call and say, hey, I have some people who are having these challenges. What are your thoughts on that? And being able to know that we're going to have that guidance that we can offer to people. You know, that's the expectation is that we continue to get better. We continue to grow. We continue to elevate what it looks like to be a black business in America. Um, so not even just in Cincinnati, but also across the nation as we continue to expand. Uh, as Kalai mentioned, Indianapolis was one of the most recent signings. You know, and for me, that's my hometown. I was born and raised in Indianapolis. I've been in Cincinnati for 10 years. And when we started this, I said, at some point, I have to take everything that I've learned back home. Uh, and so that, that for me is a thrill. But the other one for me, you know, when we think about expectations, it's about having meaningful connections to cities and to people. And this year, during the 100 year commemoration of the Black Wall Street massacre, we were able to announce that we are also expanding to Tulsa uh, and working with an organization locally called TEDC. Uh, and that gives us the ability to really have a larger footprint on entrepreneurs across America. So my expectations is that, you know, these entrepreneurs continue to grow, they continue to thrive, they move forward and we start to have those conversations about ownership, not just ownership of your business, but ownership of your legacy, ownership of the physical space that your business is in, uh, and really start to think about what it looks like for us to hire from our communities and start to fix some of the things that we see as challenges in our communities instead of relying on other people to fix those things that are right in our viewpoints. Kalab, what are you hoping for from Mortar alumni? Now, you know what, so, so, so let me go back to something that Alan mentioned. 
if out of you notice, I threw in Detroit uh, as my hometown. We have not announced we're moving to Detroit. This is my way to kind of like, yeah, we're going to Detroit. Yeah. He's absolutely right. <laughs> going, going to Indianapolis, um, Allen's hometown is critical. He has credibility there for sure, and it's also an opportunity again for him to give back to the city that he that he loves and where he's from. So, so I think that's great. But back 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 to your question around what I expect from the alumni. It really is giving back, right? It's like, hey, you know, we really need you to, to assist us and bring in the next generation of entrepreneurs uh, to the forefront. Uh, that stat that Alan mentioned around 100% of our, of our alumni are still in business. That's because of the network and how they've worked together. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, we, we can take a little bit of credit, but Alan knows that most of the credit was those folks working together to make sure that we all survived, right? And, and one of the things that Alan mentioned, which I think is critical, you think about the ecosystem and kind of the future, right? It's around the shared service model. One of the things that Mortar has been able to prove is that if, if, if we provide accounting, legal, marketing, all these different things that all small businesses need at a subsidized or free um, price, it really helps these businesses to scale because those, for the most part, are the hardest parts to, for a business to really understand and get their arms wrapped around. And then, you know, the, the pop-up shops that we have and the idea that we're providing storefronts and trying to really push our entrepreneurs to think about, yeah, you can have a storefront, but really work on your website, right? Because we know that we're all, you know, with the pandemic, it changed a lot of our behaviors, right? So people are going and they're buying things off the website. So, so yeah, so really we're, we're just trying to make sure that this, we feed this ecosystem and that it continues to grow. So as, as my last question to wrap up, I'm gonna ask both of you guys, what success looks like for you uh, with this program? What will make you say, we've done our job? Outside of the cover of Black Enterprise Magazine, um, I would say that, uh, no, so <laughs> it's hard for me to define success because <laughs> on one side, success is whatever the entrepreneurs say that success looks like for them. Um, and so it, it's that question of access. So when an entrepreneur comes to me and they say, hey, I want to do three food trucks, for them, that is success. And so I don't want to push them to you know, do 30 restaurants in the region if that's not what success is for them. So for me, it is, it's, it's really the question of strategy. So success looks like strategically taking people who are ready to put the work in, who are ready to hustle and get to what is ultimately their destiny. Success looks like giving them the tools that they need to do that, making sure that we are evolving as a brand and that we're creating the programs that people need. You know, And for us, that means that currently we're creating a digital version of our curriculum that will be uh, grant access to people around the country who are looking to grow their companies. So for me, it, it really is surrounding the next generations and, and legacies that we're building. Uh, that success is, is valuable, it's key. It's knowing that people are able to take care of their families and build wealth um, and, and have ownership in their communities. Your job involves, you know, quantifying a lot of return on investment. So I'm going to ask you the same question. You know, what does success look like for you with this program? Yeah, you know, I would add that it's going to be qualitative a lot for me, right? Because you're right, the, the, the metrics are the metrics, and we're going to measure those and drive that when we think about job creation, 
uh, you know, businesses that are created. But but I want the ability. Success is when I go into my community and I see more African American businesses and African American communities. And you can feel that. That's one. You know, like that. That's you walk down the street. You can feel like, hey, we are making an impact. So so that that's 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 what I want to see. And then and then lastly, which which I think is is really critical, is back to the ecosystem. Success, success is like a family or a village where everybody is pitching in, right? And that they're seeing the opportunities here that if you have a community, that people who live in the community have the opportunity to live the American dream and create opportunity for their families, that it brings all of us up, right? It makes for a better society. It makes for a better country. So I'm hoping that the example that Mortar is setting, that it would inspire other like organizations to do the same and to jump into this battle with us. Well, I want to thank you both so much for being here today. Um, and on behalf of Black Enterprise, I want to thank you for the work that you're both doing on a daily basis to raise the next generation of Black entrepreneurs and really to uplift um, our communities. And thank you everyone out there for listening to the Elevate Black Inc. podcast.